You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. If you have a Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 5 this morning. It's good to see each of you. Matthew chapter 5 is where we'll be. And I just want to remind you again, uh, if this is your first time or you're a guest, just you can relax. We're not going to ask you to stand up or do anything crazy. We don't expect anything of you. We just want you to come and, and at least expect to hear from God. But no, we don't expect anything of you. And uh, man, this is a safe place. It's a safe place for doubters. It's a safe place for sinners. Amen. Which is all of us. And uh, we just want you to know that we love you, and we are glad that you are here. We know that you could be anywhere uh, this morning, and you chose to be here. And so each week, whenever you come, I know that you do not get up early to hear from a 31-year-old on life, right? Because I have no knowledge on life, but we do have God's Word, and His Word is powerful, and His Word is life-transforming. And so each week, we promise you that when you come here, we're going to get into God's Word, all right? And we're going to teach you what He says. And so Matthew chapter 5 is... Where we are as we continue in our series, The Real Jesus. And uh, yes, uh, Jesus is popular all over the South, but a lot of times it's the religious Jesus that's popular more than the real Jesus. And that's really a tragedy because uh, the religious Jesus is weak. He's pathetic. He can't help us. Um, But the real Jesus is life-giving. He is transforming. He is worth it all, isn't he? And so verse by verse, we're just walking through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is first sermon, the only perfect sermon ever preached, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, man, we are learning about the real Jesus, verse by verse. So let's dive into it again today. Matthew chapter 5, we'll start in verse 1. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles on the welcome table for you. You can grab those, okay? They're free for you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain And he went and he sat down and his disciples came to him. And he opened up his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called... Sons of God. And here's our verses for today. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Will you pray for me as I pray for you? Father, again, we come to you, and we can never come to you too much because we are weak and we can do nothing on our own accord. Nobody got up this morning just wanting to have their head pumped full of information. We came here to be transformed. We came here to experience your presence. We came here to know the real Jesus. And so I pray that you do what only you can do at this time through the power of your Spirit and that you will take these words that are active and living and drive them deep into our hearts, for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I know we have some students in our church, so I'll be careful how I say this. My favorite part of school was, well, when it was over. (laughs) Um, My favorite classes were art, uh, physical education, 
lunch, and sports broadcasting and tennis. And other than that, I thought school was basically a waste of time. And so I constantly would try to avoid school. I would fake sick or I would skip class or do whatever I could to try to get out of school. And it showed when it came to graduation, you know, some parents and some of you, you've had the opportunity of celebrating that your kid finished in like the top 10% as GPA or her GPA. My parents didn't get to celebrate that. They had to look at it from a different perspective. They had to celebrate the fact that I was the bottom half that made the top half possible. And so that was basically the way school was for me. I tried to avoid it. I thought it was a unnecessary evil. And I ended up going on to go to college and get a master's, and that's just kind of God's humor. But, I, you know, I really thought when I was in school that the reward of going to school did not outweigh the cost, right? And I think, you know, whether it's school or dieting or exercising, there are some things that we know we probably should be doing, but we don't do them because the reward to us doesn't outweigh the cost. And isn't that the way it is in the Christian life? I mean, aren't there things in the Bible that sometimes we read and we wish they weren't there? <laughs> there are things that we read and, and we say, like, I know Jesus said that I should handle my money this way. Or I know that he said I should go talk to this person. I know that he says this or that. But I really don't think that the reward outweighs the cost. So I think I'm going to try to just skip out on that. There are those verses if you read the Bible long enough. And one of those verses comes in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, where Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted. Now, let's just be honest. This verse doesn't seem to make much sense, does it? I mean, Jesus basically says here, hey, are people hating you for your faith? Well, then you're living the good life. Are you being persecuted? Are you taking a hit from me? Congratulations. That shows that you are right on track and your reward is great. This very message flies in the face of American pop cultural Christianity. If you turn on TBN or most other, I guess, evangelical broadcasting networks, you will probably find a man in a nice suit preaching a message that says, if you follow Jesus, you will be healthier and wealthier and you will never have any problems and probably have a lot of friends. And I just want you to know that the real Jesus never said that. In fact, right here, he says something quite opposite. He says that if you follow after me, you will experience some persecution. The truth is, sometimes you can follow Jesus and things will go well for you. And then there are other times that you can follow Jesus and do all of the right things and things go bad for you. Amen? For those who have been following Jesus long enough, you know this. And, and we don't just know this from experience. We know this from the Bible. Jesus said that there is none greater that has ever been created by God than John the Baptist. He's the greatest who ever lived that's been created by God. And if you know anything about the story of John the Baptist, he gave his life to telling people about Jesus. He gave his life to pointing to him, to showing people the real Jesus. And what happens to John the Baptist? He is in prison for preaching the gospel. And he sends a message to Jesus and basically says this. Hey, Jesus, I've given my life to you, so are you the one or shall we expect another? In other words, if you're really the Messiah, if you really are who you say you are, are you going to save me from prison or are you going to let me die in here? And if you know the rest of the story, what does Jesus do? He quotes an Isaiah benediction and leaves off a part about the prisoners going free. In other words, what he says back to John the Baptist, I am the one, you're going to die in prison. And John the Baptist has his head cut off. 
How many of you had your teacher in Sunday school throw that up on the felt board? <laughs> Christianity without persecution is Christ without a cross. Our faith is born in persecution. Jesus was persecuted. He lived a perfect life and yet was treated as a sinner on our behalf so that we could experience peace with the Father. And some of you Christians, you are new Christians and you need to hear this message this morning because you might just be believing a lie that when you follow Jesus, that okay, now everything's going to work good for me, right? More people's going to like me, right? Jesus says, no, not necessarily. Not necessarily. For some of you, that might be enough for you to want to check out right now. Because, let's be honest, you care more about your comforts than Christ. You want the praise of man more than you want man to praise God. The real Jesus says to you this morning, if you want to just know the real me and you want to know what this is all about, you need to go all in. You need to put all of your chips in. Don't hold back anything. You need to trust that I'm better You better trust I'm better than the things of the world because if you don't, you're not going to want to go all in because you don't want to lose those things. But trust I am better than the things of the world and that the reward from the cost to follow me, the reward that I have for you will far outweigh the cost. You will know a joy and a peace that you have been longing for and have never been able to discover. Jesus says, blessed are you when you are persecuted. Isn't it odd that verse 10 comes on the heels of verse 9? I mean, I know that's the numerical order, but I mean, in light of the sermon, like, isn't it odd that, that Jesus said last week, blessed are the peacemakers, and then the next thing out of his mouth is, oh yeah, and blessed are those of you who are persecuted? Does that make any sense? I mean, wouldn't you think if we lived as peacemakers in parable that we would experience less persecution? I mean, who wants to persecute peacemakers? That's right. It's people who don't want true peace, the peace that we are offering. You see, the peace that we offer is not a peace that's found within yourself. It's not a peace that comes from a five-step program, but it's a peace that only comes from Christ. And I'll tell you, a lot of people in the world hate Christ. They hate Him. And Jesus said in John 15 that if the world has hated me, rest assured they will hate you. They'll hate you. The gospel is good news. It really is good news. But you know what? You can't believe good news unless you believe bad news. It's not good news until you hear the bad news about yourself. And that's why the world hates it. Because Jesus, as we saw in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, says, look, repent. Repent of your sins. Repent of trusting in yourself. Repent of thinking you know best and trust in me. That's an offensive message. Some people are going to rebel against that. They don't think that, that, that Christ knows better than them. When we begin to say, you want true peace? You want true life? Die to yourself and give your life to Jesus. Some people are going to say, forget you. I'm not going to do it. And we will experience persecution. Now, when you think of persecution, don't just think of physical persecution. The early church certainly experienced physical persecution. Christ certainly experienced physical persecution. Christians all over the world still experience physical persecution, by the way. I saw this morning in a statistic that 100 Christians are killed each month because of their faith all over the world. Isn't that crazy? And we get to come here in a cinema, in a public place, and talk about Jesus. Here in America, we don't have to worry about being stoned for following Jesus. 
But we do have to worry about being slandered. In America, you're probably not going to be murdered for following Jesus. But there are times where you will be made fun of. In America, you're not going to have to probably worry about losing your life for following Jesus. But chances are there are times where you will lose your reputation. And so I think the question we should ask, you know, a lot of times in our culture we say things like, oh, I love Jesus so much, I would die for him. And isn't that easy to say when you know the likelihood of that's not very big? The question I ask you this morning is not do you love Jesus so much that you would die for him, but do you love Jesus so much that you're willing to lose your reputation for him? Do you love Jesus so much that you're willing to follow him even if it means losing your social standing? With a certain group. Jesus says, you will not be able to follow me and please everyone. Some people might even reject you. And Paul knew this, the man that that wrote 75% of the New Testament. He said in Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul says, you cannot want to please everybody around you and follow Jesus. It's just impossible. When you follow the real Jesus, some people are going to think you're foolish. Some people are going to hate you. Some people are going to want nothing to do with you. You will be persecuted when you follow the real Jesus. And let me be real clear about persecution, by the way. Notice, Jesus says in verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for what? What's He say? For righteousness' sake. Whose righteousness is he talking about? God's righteousness. Some of you have been persecuted, and it's not because of God's righteousness. It's because of self-righteousness. It's a difference. God is talking about here people who are persecuted in His name. Some of you have not been persecuted in the name of Jesus. You've been persecuted in the name of being a jerk. Straight up. That's why people don't like you. It's not because you've done something in Jesus' name. I know Christians who have been persecuted in this culture, and they think it's for their Christianity, but really, it's because of lack of true Christianity in their own life. They're persecuted because they're not gentle people. They're judgmental people who walk around with a stick just beating everybody else up that don't believe like them. They're Christians who are persecuted because rather than motivating with grace and love, they motivate with guilt and with the law. There are people who walk and shove tracks down people's throats and say, here, eat this. You know, or you stand on the street corner with a bullhorn and you say, God hates you. You're all going to hell because you voted for Obama or whatever. Something crazy. Yeah, that'll stir their heart towards the Father. I wouldn't want to be around any of you if that was the way it was. And I'm a Christian. I'd be like, I don't know him. I don't know her. When Jesus says, blessed are the persecuted for righteousness sake, he is not saying, blessed are those who are mistreated for being religious fanatics. He is saying, blessed are those who are mistreated for living and loving like Jesus. And who was Jesus most persecuted by? The religious or the irreligious? It was the religious people that hung Jesus on a cross. Isn't it interesting that we get so afraid of those people out there and think persecution's going to come in America 
and it's going to be those liberals, and it's going to be all these people that's out, that's atheists. They're going to come and persecute us. It's not the way it was with Jesus. The Bible says Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus was a friend to gluttons and drunkards, the Bible said. It was the religious people that crucified Christ. And I think the same is going to be true for us, by the way. My wife was asking me last night, she said, when's the times you've been persecuted in your 10 years of walking with Jesus? And, and I said, every time it's been from people inside religious circles, every single time. It's been people that know the religious Jesus but don't know the real Jesus. And the real Jesus is offensive to church people. He really is. He is offensive to religious South people. And when you begin to live and you begin to follow the truth of Scripture and teach what Jesus taught and live the way He lives, it's the religious people that get the most ticked off. Maybe some of you don't have strong relationships with people outside of the church. And I just don't want you to assume that that's because you're being persecuted because you're a Christian. Let's not assume that, that, that the sinners in the world don't love you just because you walk with Jesus. Some of you, I think the reason you don't have even the, a number of one non-Christian in your, your, your cell phone, the reason none of them want to talk to you at work, the reason you don't have any of them over in your home to eat around your table, is probably because deep down inside what you want more than anything for them is just for them to live like you and believe just like you do. And you're more focused on changing their outward behavior and getting them to obey all these rules than you are wanting to see them experience true peace that is found in Christ. And that's why you experience the persecution. That's not the persecution Christ is talking about here. He says you will experience persecution for righteousness' sake. For my righteousness. Paul would go on in 2 Timothy 3.12 and he would say this. And I understand that some of you will never want to come back after hearing this and never want to follow Jesus. He says, 2 Timothy 3.12, All who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. You encouraged this morning? Glad you got up. All who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. So maybe here's a question we should ask this morning before we leave. And we should try to answer. What does that mean if I'm not being persecuted? What does that say about me? If, if all who desire to live a godly life, if all who desire to follow the real Jesus will be persecuted, why am I not experiencing persecution? Why am I not experiencing opposition in my life? Alright? That's a question we all need to answer this morning. And I think the answer is one of four things. Some of you in here are not experiencing persecution, and here's why. It's because you're not following the real Jesus. Plain and simple. You've given part of your life maybe to real, the real Jesus. Maybe you've given the Sunday mornings to Him, but you've not given all of your life to Him. You're still following the religious Jesus. And that's why you don't experience persecution. Plain and simple. You're just not following Him. Are you hearing this? I hope you are. I hope, I, I hope when I'm going through these lists, you're not sitting looking around at other people saying, I hope they're hearing this. No, you, if you're not experiencing persecution, it might be possible you are not following the real Jesus. That's another answer, another conclusion we can draw of why you're not experiencing persecution is maybe for some of you, you are following the real Jesus, but you're living an insulated lifestyle. You look more like a monk than a missionary. Just hiding out in your little cave. 
so you don't get the sinnies on you. I would never go hang around with those people. You sit in your little holy huddle around your little Bible study, wagging your finger at other people out there like they're some poor, stupid fool, thinking that it's more dangerous for you to be around there when the reality is it's more dangerous for you to be a self-righteous, prideful man or woman who thinks that Christ has called you to live an insulated lifestyle. Jesus was always coming down harder on the self-righteous than those that we would be considered the sinners of society. But that's maybe some of you. Maybe for some of you it's not that you live an insulated lifestyle. Maybe you are around plenty of people who don't know Jesus. But for you, the reason you don't experience persecution is because you keep your faith secret. When is the last time that you've talked to someone about Jesus? I'm not asking when the last time you did something nice for somebody. When's the last time you pointed them to the real Jesus with your mouth? Can I say something? And, I, and, I, and I don't, I'm not here to throw guilt and shame on anybody. I'm here to try to introduce you to, to the real Jesus. And what the real Jesus says, if you don't talk about me, you don't know me. In fact, he says, for those of you that don't open your mouth and talk about me, he actually says, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my father. Some of you keep your faith secret. A fourth and final reason might be this. Maybe you know the real Jesus. Maybe you're not living an insulated lifestyle. Maybe you do talk about Jesus, but you look just like everybody else. There's no, your life isn't marked by any power. Because you don't walk filled with the Spirit. You don't have any joy. You just walk around as hmm, gloomy. Woe is me. Life is awful. You look no different than anybody else. And, and when people look at your life, they say, I mean, they say that they have the creator of the universe inside of them. But man, I mean, I look just like they do. And maybe you even go a step further. I mean, you don't stand up for anything. You turn your eyes to injustice. You let people chase after things knowing that it will kill them. You laugh at the same things the world laughs at, why God mourns those things. I mean, you just basically walk around saying, I'm going to go with the flow so that I don't experience any sort of persecution whatsoever. I don't know what the reason may be for you of why you're not experiencing persecution, but I don't think there's any other option other than these four. So I would encourage you, ask the Holy Spirit right now, like, reveal to me, like, which one is it? Because what the real Jesus says to us is, look, if you know the real me and you're following the real me, you will experience persecution. You will experience it. Are you experiencing persecution for your faith? Are you experiencing persecution for your faith? Or is it true of you, maybe this morning, if you can just be honest... And I know we're around a bunch of church folks, but let's try to be honest. Maybe some of you are trying to avoid persecution at all costs. And the question we need to answer this morning before we leave is, how do we, how do we possibly go from trying to avoid and escape persecution to embracing persecution? How can we, how can we, get, how can we make that jump? 
Right? We need to do that. We need to be able to make that jump. And it doesn't come from you trying harder. It doesn't come from just being better and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. So, so what is the motivation? Two things very quickly. One is if we are going to be a people who embrace persecution, we must claim the promise that we see in this passage. Jesus says, verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on again in verse 12, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. We got any Shawshank Redemption fans in here? Yeah. Good for y'all. Good taste in movies. I asked someone one time about if they, about, about, I can't remember what movie it was. I asked, like, maybe we got any fans in here? And one guy's like, I didn't raise my hand because I didn't want you, I, I didn't know if you were going to talk bad about the movie. So I was just like, I like it, but I ain't going to raise my hand. Um, I would never do that to y'all. Um, Shawshank Redemption is probably one of my, I'd say top five, at least top three, probably favorite movies. And if you don't know anything about Shawshank, basically it's this. A man named Andy is wrongfully accused for murder. He was wrongfully accused. He lost his reputation to his whole people that his reputation was so important to. He lost everything. And he goes into prison and he begins to be beaten up on multiple occasions. And there's this one scene, there's this one scene where he just gets out of the hole, right? He was put in the hole and he comes to the mess hall and he sits down with his fellow inmates to eat bread and beans again. And he's just smiling. And his inmates, are, they don't get it. They're like, why are you smiling? Why are you happy? And if you remember the scene, here's what he says. And he says, you must never forget that there are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. There's something inside that they can't get to. And they can't touch. And Red, one of his friends, played by Morgan Freeman, he looks at Andy and says, Andy, what are you talking about? And how does Andy respond? He says, Hope. Hope. The reason I'm able to endure what I endure is because I know there's a world beyond this world. That one day I'm going to be freed from this prison. And is that not the same motivation for a Christian? In the midst of suffering, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of all sorts of bad things that happen to say, this, there's a world beyond this world. I'm not hoping in this stuff. I'm going to be freed from all of this stuff. I've been promised an eternity with God where I will enjoy the overflow of His perfections forever. Free from the presence of sin. Free from suffering and persecution. We have to keep this focus. Paul said in Romans 8, after being beaten and shipwrecked and, and betrayed, he says, I consider that the sufferings of this world are not even worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed. Amen. Your suffering is a drop in the bucket compared to the glory the vast ocean of God's perfections that we'll experience forever. If you don't believe that, you're going to freak out whenever suffering and persecution comes. You've got to believe, man, that there is something beyond this world that we're living for. Claim the promise. But not only that, if we want to embrace persecution, we don't just claim the promise. We cling to the one who makes the promise. We cling to Jesus. He is the reward. He is better. 
than anything this world has to offer you. And you know this. For those of you looking to things other than Jesus, whether it's your kids or your drugs or, or, or entertainment or sex, how long does that work for you? It doesn't satisfy. You know this. It's Jesus. He is the one that we desperately need. And He came, the only one that ever came for you, as a perfect man. And He was treated as a criminal for you and for me. He gave up His reputation. He gave up His comforts. He gave up His life so we can have life. That's the greatest news on the planet. But now we can stand before God holy and blameless and accepted. Only when that becomes alive in your heart will you not freak out when someone else rejects you over your faith. If you believe you're approved by the Father because of the work of Christ, you're not going to live worrying about the approval of everybody else around you. You're not. If you believe there's something beyond this world and your home is in heaven, you're not going to be trying so hard to make this home. You want to live courageously, even in the midst of opposition? I'm telling you, there is no five-step program. It only is going to happen when the gospel is explosively alive in your heart. It's the only thing that will do it. Jim Elliott, a missionary in the 1950s, a young man, I think mid-20s. He's in his mid-20s and him and his wife and his children heard about a unreached people group in Ecuador. I've actually been there a couple years ago. I had a, t- a chance to be there where Jim Elliott was. And it was a hostile indigenous people that did not know Jesus. And they had a record of killing people that came on their territory. And Jim Elliott says, I'm moving my family over there and we're going to go tell these people about Jesus. And eventually, Jim Elliott would be killed by these people group. He'd be killed. And his wife would actually end up going to the people group later and saying, God forgives you of killing my son, and I forgive you, and I want to tell you the gospel. And she actually ended up converting the whole, I mean, it's a true story, converted the whole tribe. And she actually ended up moving in with them. And like the guy that killed Jim Elliott ended up baptizing Jim Elliott's daughter in the same river that he killed Jim Elliott. Like later on, it was a crazy story. It was all over the news back in the 50s. And, and anyways, somebody said to Jim Elliott one time, and this is such an American comment, you're a fool for taking your family over there and taking these risks. And You know what Jim Elliott's response was? He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Some of you are trying so hard to avoid persecution and suffering at all costs. And it's because it threatens something that you're holding on to so dearly. And you're not going to be able to hang on to it forever. It's something you cannot keep. And the real Jesus says to you, would you let go of the things of this world? Let go of your comforts. Embrace me and trust that when you follow me, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of persecution, that you will gain something you cannot lose. Yes, you might lose some temporary joys and some temporary comforts, but you will experience an eternal pleasure beyond your wildest dreams that is found in my kingdom. This is the real Jesus. This is His invitation to us. And that's why every single 
morning when we come here, we partake of communion. Because we need to be reminded that this Jesus is not calling us to something that He has not first done for us. Jesus came and was persecuted on our behalf. Though we were the ones that deserved the persecution, we stood, the Bible says, as enemies before God. We stood at war with Him and Jesus came and through His persecution has brought us peace through His perfect life and His blood shed for us. If you were here this morning and you are a Christian, even if you're not an official part of our church, you're in our family, come and partake of communion just a little bit. We'll have two stations up here, bread, and we'll have juice, and you can tear off a piece of bread and dip it in the juice. And it's just a reminder, when you take off that bread, that, man, Jesus lived a perfect life that none of us can live in here. Anybody in here lived a perfect life? If you raise your hand, you just sin because you're a liar. Right? So we need a perfect life if we're going to stand before a perfect God, and Jesus was it. And that's what we're reminded when we tear off the bread and we dip it in the juice. And we're reminded, you know what? I have screwed up so bad in my life. I've sinned in ways that many of you will never know about. And I don't have to carry that guilt and shame because Jesus has atoned for my sins. His blood covers my sins. I have forgiveness. We need to be reminded of that every single week. And that's what communion does. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I'm so thankful you're here. I love you so much. I really do. I hope that we can become best friends. I'm so thankful. I hope you keep coming around. But let me tell you something about communion. Communion is something that that you don't want to be a part of. It's just, we tell you all the time, it's just grape value, uh, grape juice, and, and, and some bread from Walmart. There's nothing special in these elements to you. It's a symbol of hope to us. It's a symbol of hope. But, but to you, it's just bread and a little grape juice. And so rather than taking those, what we encourage you to do is receive Christ. Don't receive this bread and juice. Receive Christ. Give your life to the real Jesus. Surrender everything to Him. Realize that your way doesn't work. You've tried it your way. And how about instead of trying it your way, you give your life to the Creator of the universe who has invented life and said, I know how it works best. If you do that... I would encourage you to come talk to me, talk to someone you came with, and we'd love to encourage you, love on you, and just help provide some sort of safe environment where you know you can try to figure out now this new life with Christ. You'll also see whenever you go out that there's a giving basket. I want to remind everybody in here, if you are not a part of this church and you are a visitor, we do not expect anything from you. This is just a gift to you, this service. And so when you walk past that, we don't want you to feel any sort of obligation. Uh, you're not, even our people, I want to always remind you, by giving, you're not loved more by God. You're already loved perfectly by God. And so when we ask you to give, we're not asking something from you. We're asking something for you. We think it's an experience of worship. We believe it's better to give than receive. That now because we've received Christ, we can give our whole lives back to Him. And one of the things He asks us to give is of our money. As of our tithes. And so as you come and you do that, do that joyfully as an act of worshiping, realizing that Jesus has met every one of my needs spiritually and he's met every one of my needs physically, even my money. This is just one way of showing back that I believe that in my heart. Okay? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And our band's going to come forward. And we're going to celebrate in one more song. And then we'll be dismissed. Will you pray with me? Father, I come and I know that this is a message that's not seeker-friendly. I know that it's not a big laugh-out-loud message. It can be heavy for some people, but would you just remind the true Christians in here through your Spirit that you're not mad at them for not experiencing persecution? 
Would you remind them that you're not some dad that's up there just shaking your head at them, asking them why they don't love you more? Would you just quiet them with your love if their heart is unsettled this morning? And would you, through the power of your Spirit, give them boldness. Make Jesus, the real Jesus, so beautiful to them that they begin to live in such a way that even when persecution comes, that it does not destroy them, but it just continues to conform them more and more into your image. I pray for the person here this morning who might be here, who, who doesn't know the real Jesus. Maybe they've grown up in, in, in a church setting, have been fed heaping tablespoons of the religious Jesus, and therefore they see the religious Jesus as, as what he is. He's dry, he's boring, he's useless, he's powerless, he's angry. I'm so thankful that is not you, Jesus. Would you show them, reveal to them through your spirit, your true nature, your true self. Show them that they are in desperate need of you. That you did not come and die a horrific death for no reason. You came because you were the only hope. You were the only, you've always been the only hope. You always will be the only hope we have to have a right relationship with the Father, to be saved and satisfied. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and dying for us. We love you and we praise you. Amen.